I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> ah, that sounds like it. <laughs> I tell you, COVID has done miracles in this generation. When the elders uh, met and they agreed that I should be invited to speak on evangelism, which we are talking on today, and, uh, but from the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, I was like, elders, what are you looking for in the, in the Old Testament? Is this not a setup? <laughs> but then I realized that the word of God is the word of God, whether Old or New Testament. But then I had made a certain comment. I said, just invite me for fellowship. That's what I want. But having come here, looking around, I realized that it's difficult enough to recognize the people I know after so many years. But it's worse when they are wearing masks, <laughs> face coverings. So I don't know who you are or where you are. At least when I hear Mr. Mbambiko's laughing there, I can tell, okay, that one is familiar. But that's part of what the COVID has brought to us. So there is that part of fellowship which we are missing now. Although we gather, but we don't see each other. You don't know who is laughing or who is frowning. You don't know who is happy or who is sad. You don't know who is, ang who is, angry, who is hungry or who has had their breakfast. So we pray that let this thing go away. <laughs> it must have a time limit. It must expire. And it must expire very soon. But we do know also that nothing happens without God's permission. So for us believers is to learn something from this experience to the glory of God. Amen. I love to introduce myself. So, like it has been said by an elder, is the one of people I know, although he's wearing a mask. <laughs> I am John Silondwa, born again in 1978 during Easter. I was a student then at the Chingola School of Accountancy, but going to church. It was Chingora Gospel Hall then, but now it is the chapel. And uh, I had already been going to church for a number of years, from childhood actually, up to that time. And I thought I knew God. And I thought I was a Christian. And I thought all was well between me and God. Especially that I thought I was not a sinner. I didn't do any of those dramatic things sinners do. That's what I thought. 
But until the gospel was preached that evening, it was a Thursday night. Actually, what happened was that during Easter, there used to be camps at Jim Ford Farm in Cabway. For the old ones who have been in the faith for a long time, in those circles, maybe they would remember that. So one of the speakers who was invited was from the UK. After the Easter camp in Kabwe, he was invited by Jim Hayes. Okay, Jim Ford, Jim Hayes. <laughs> in Chingola. So the UK preacher came to Chingola on a Thursday. In fact, he came on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So he preached in our church from Monday to Thursday. It was on the very last day that the gospel was meant for me. And I got it that this one is for me. It's now or never. Let me respond because there were altar calls after the messages every evening. So when the altar call was made, I didn't hesitate. I was not shy like I was from Monday to Wednesday. I just boldly stood up and went to the front. That was Easter 1978. Up to this day, I've never looked back. I've never regretted. And I wished maybe I'd known him earlier. But it was God's timing. And from my experience with God, I can wholeheartedly say that, please, when you hear the word of God, receive this Jesus Christ, who is the savior of the world. Come to him in repentance. He will forgive all your sins. It doesn't matter how big or how small you think your sin is. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you have not done for that matter. He is the Savior. The Bible says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one person except Jesus himself who can tell you that they never sinned. So don't feel the heaviness of your sin and think that you are condemned by God. No, this Jesus came for the very purpose of saving you and me because it was not possible for us to save ourselves or to live a godly life live a spiritual life. It had to be Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. For your own information, God had no plan B. The only plan B is hell. So it's either you receive what God has prepared, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith, and be saved, or you ignore that Plan B is you just go to hell. And it's not God who sends us to hell. It's our sin. So it's just by the grace of God that the offer of salvation is given to us. So we must receive it. That's why the gospel is called good news. And I'm happy the song we just sang, the last one, is on point for this message today. How beautiful, how lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ died on our behalf. 
You don't need to die again. Of course, we are speaking spiritual language here. Physically, all of us will die one day. But there is another death which is very serious. That one, you don't need to die. Christ has already died for you and me. That's my introduction, who I am. And that's my testimony. If you forget everything else, even when you are a believer, be encouraged, be revived by that. Look back to the time when you first met the Lord. It wasn't an accident. It was not wrong. It was not a mistake. It was not just feelings. This was a serious life transformation. So when you look back to that day, let it encourage you and revive you to say, surely, Lord, I've been walking or following you at a distance. I need to follow closely now. I need to be with you. I need to be in obedience with you and do your will in this short life that you've given us here on earth. Now I was told, of course, that I've got only 40 minutes. So if I say, let's pray and end after my testimony, just know that my time is up. But I've said what I needed to say. Now, I like sharing this. That the purpose of the church is in three dimensions, three directions. So the purpose of the church, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. So I'm not talking about river, Riverside Chapel as a building, as a geographical area. No. The church in this case is the believers. Okay? All collectively who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. We are the church. So the purpose of the church is upwards, is outward, is inward. Three. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole summary. So we are here on earth as a church either to minister to God, which is called worship, to minister to the lost, which can be evangelism or outreach, and to minister to ourselves, which is encouraging one another as believers in the Lord. So in whatever we are involved in, whether as a corporate body, as a local church like this one, or as individuals, either points to you are worshiping God, or you are reaching out to the lost, or you are encouraging yourselves or encouraging others in the Lord. It's those three, whatever you do. And mind you, we worship God so that we give him all the glory. To glorify God is the number one thing. But also, even when we minister to the world, outward ministry, evangelize. It is so that those who receive the Lord and become Christians, they can also worship him. And so, it is also for the glory of God. Even when we encourage each other, whether in fellowship or in teachings, or it's in singing, or it's in prayer, we are also encouraging each other so that we glorify God. So all the three of them, the purposes of the church, is to bring glory to God. 
That is the whole summary. So if we do anything that disgraces God or does not bring glory to God, then we are not operating in any of those purposes of the church. Now, let's come to the matter for today, which I was given uh, that the subject is personal evangelism. And uh, you have already looked at other things before this. And some of them, they overlap with what we are talking about uh, this morning. That is okay. It is the word of God. So let's read from Ezekiel. And there are 27 verses. I don't know whether I should read all the verses. Or will you have them on the screen? Let me read from the New International Version. That's the version I use most of the time. When I was born again, at that time we had the revised standard version. That's the one we were using. Of course, the senior ones were using the KJV, which language they had mastered and is so beautiful. NIV, Ezekiel chapter 3. Let me try to run through in five minutes the 27 verses. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. So eating the scroll here, the scroll is really the word of God. That's where the word of God is recorded, is written. So Ezekiel is being asked by God to take in the word of God, but put in that very picturistic language. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. He gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Of course, the word of God, as it were, was to fill his stomach. In other words, eat this scroll or the word of God so much that it fills you. In other words, Ezekiel was to be full of the word of God which had been given. He then said to me, son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. So he is actually being commissioned and being sent by God himself to the house of Israel, to the Israels. That's a very specific uh, destination or audience if you like. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and difficult language, but to the house of Israel. So he's saying, I'm not sending you to another country, to another tribe, to another culture. I'm sending to your own people of the same language, same culture, same beliefs. The six, not to many peoples of obscure speech and difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. No, I'm not sending you there. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel is not willing to listen and to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hardened and obstinate. So God is saying, listen, where I'm sending to you, it's your own people. Familiar, everything. 
Even if they diet, they eat the same things, the language is the same. I'm not sending you to a strange place or a strange tribe who speak a difficult language and their culture is different from yours. But interestingly, God is saying, if I had sent you to a different people, strange people, they would have listened to you. Are you getting that? Send me to the strange people, they will listen to you. But I'm sending you to your only people. They won't listen to you. Their hearts are hardened. They are rebellious. They say it. But I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them. Though they are a rebellious house. So God is now encouraging his servant, the messenger or the evangelist, if you like, to say, although where I'm sending you, these are hard people, rebellious people, I will also harden you. You will be equal to the task. I'm enabling you. I'm equipping you. So don't even be scared. In other words, I'm the God who picked you, commissioned you, sends you, and empowers you. And I'll be with you. So don't fear anything. Verse 10. And he said to me, son of man, listen carefully. And take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your countrymen in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. So he says, so go now to your countrymen, those who are in exile. Of course, they were in exile this time, as I will explain later. And you tell them that this is what the sovereign Lord, it is God himself. And because these are his own people, when he says it is God, they know what he's talking about. They are not strangers to this gospel, to this news, to this word. They are well acquainted with it, but still they are rebellious. Here is another encouragement just there which God gives it. He says whether they listen or fail to listen. In other words, it should not be your worry as an evangelist whether the people you are taking the gospel to we will listen or not listen, whether they will believe or not believe. They will not believe because they don't believe me, God. They will reject you because they have rejected God. In other words, your job is just to take the message. What they do with it, it's their dealing with me as their God. Verse 12. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his dwelling place. That's what I told you about. Everything is done for the glory of the Lord. The sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against each other. And the sound of the wheels beside them. A loud rumbling sound. The spirit then lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord upon me. I came to the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv near the Keba River. And there 
where they were living, I sat among them for seven days overwhelmed. So he was bitter in his heart because he's aware of this assignment. Being tasked to go and preach to a people whom I'm told are hardened and they won't listen and they're rebellious against God. Imagine what an assignment. A lot of us, I'm sure, would say, oh, God, send somebody else. I'm not geared for, for such assignments for people who can't listen. But so, there he was. That was the assignment. Verse 16, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked man, you surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, the wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Of course, the lesson today is more about the messenger, the evangelist, rather than the audience or the lost. And so he would be held accountable for how he carries that message. Because if people perish in their sins, because he had not warned them, then he will bear also the responsibility. He has to face his master. But if you do warn, that's verse 19, if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he will die for his sin. But you have saved yourself. So if you have warned him, but he still doesn't turn away from his sins, he will die in his sins. But you have done your assignment. You are free. Nothing to worry about. 20. Again, when a religious man turns from his righteousness, well, religious man, that is NIV. Maybe it's clearer language to us. From his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. So even the one who thinks me, I'm a man of God, me, I'm a woman of God, I've been walking, I've been going to church. Maybe let's use the NIV language religious one in application. I've been going to church, I've been going to scripture union, I've been going to Zafis, I've been going to university fellowship, I've been going, I've been going, going, going. But it says even him, if he has turned away from God and has sinned, he will be held accountable for his sin, but also the one who warns will be held accountable. Verse 21, but if you do warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live because he took warning, and you will have saved yourself. Of course, these words were very specific to this audience, which I will explain later, because we are talking about a man of God going to the people of God with that message. Verse 22, the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, get up and go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, 
and the glory of the Lord was standing there like the glory I had seen by the Keba River, and I fell face down. Then the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house, and you, son of man, they will tie with ropes. You will be bound so that you cannot go out among the people. I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to rebuke them, though they are rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whatever we listen, whoever will listen to him, listen, and whoever will refuse, let him refuse, for they are rebellious house. So this time when he's tied and his tongue is stuck in the mouth and there's quietness, I think there's some period when God is going to go silent. And that is also a message to those of us who don't know Christ as our personal savior yet, that this offer, this preaching of the good news, it will not always be there. There may be a time when God will just go silent. At that time, you wish you had listened and responded when God was still calling on you. But he's a gracious God. And so there comes a time when he opens his mouth again. No, now you can speak to them so that they can listen. Because God's intention is that people should repent, turn away from their sins, and get back to their God. God's intentions are always good. That's why we say God is good all the time and all the time. He is good. That is his nature. God is love. So the bigger message is the gospel, the good news. But before you can understand the good news, there is bad news also. It's not as big as the good one. But if you reject the good one, definitely you have to stay with the bad one. So the bad news is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are going to hell. That's bad news. I do not have time to describe how hell is. I've never been there. But maybe you can take examples of how people suffer in this life. If you have suffered most, whether it was the death of your close one, or whatever it was, whether it was a disease that inflicted so much excruciating pain, that is still nothing compared to hell. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God has made a provision that you don't need to stay there. You don't need to end in that destination. That's why Jesus Christ, his son, came and he died before us. That's the good news. Even here, although we went quiet for some time, leave them alone, they are rebellious, don't even talk to them. But then God, the loving God, changes his mind. Okay, open your mouth now, speak to them. Give them this warning. Let them turn away from their sins, and all will be well with them. But for nowadays, the Bible says that how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He used to speak through angels, prophets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he has spoken through his own son. God himself came down and spoke to man in his own humanity. And you ignore and neglect that. Then what else do you want? Is there any hope for you? 
That is the best news we can all hear. That is Ezekiel's, both Ezekiel as the book and the chapter three, but also as the prophet who was being sent to his own people. Now, let me very quickly, maybe just for those who need, uh, who need it. When you see I'm switching on my my phone, is I don't know. I'm not making a call. I'm checking on the time. I told you that. When it's time up, I'll stop. Just like Ezekiel was stopped. Shut up now. <laughs> so maximize while you are hearing good news. There will be a time when I will just stop. So, I like to understand the Old Testament in this way. In other words, just finding where am I in Ezekiel. No. In my early Christian life, I read about this and it helped me to just grasp the Bible very quickly and see what the story runs about. And, uh, and from the time when I just came to know the Lord in 1978, just that 1978, the New International Version Bible arrived in Zambia. So it, since then, it has been my habit. When there's a new version, English version, of course, not Tumbuka version like my wife. Each time there's a new version, I buy that new version. I make, what do we call them? You know, resolutions at the beginning of the year? I make a resolution to say, Lord, help me read this Bible from Genesis to Revelation this year. So that year I bought uh, the NIV version and was writing. Each time I finish reading a chapter, I write where I've ended, I continue. Their deaths are over. And a few years ago, I bought the New Living Translation, which I've left with my wife. I made the same uh, resolution. Lord, help me this year to read this Bible and come to the end in this year. Eh, surprise, surprise. This time, I read the whole Bible in 40 days. Not even for the whole year. In 40 days. I was not sleeping. My wife sometimes used to think I was a mad person because she treasures sleep so much. <laughs> and she teaches me the dangers of not having enough sleep. And there are real dangers, actually. But it was just for a time. I mean, I wanted to achieve something. So I did that. Although I'd read the Bible so many times, each time I read it, there are certain places which sound very strange. And like, where am I? What was happening here? So this is how, let me bring us to where we are in Ezekiel. So from the birth of Abraham, who was later called Abraham, to the death of Joseph, that is his grandson, in Egypt, if you remember, that was a period of 400 years. 400 years. And all that is covered within the book of Genesis. And that period, they were just a family. Children of Jacob. Joseph and his brothers who sold him. Then from the death of Joseph in Egypt, up to the Exodus, when now they said we've had enough, we need to leave Egypt. It was also a period of roughly, we are estimating here, 400 years. 
And by that time, they had multiplied so much that they were actually not just a family. They were a tribe. The Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews. But from the Exodus, when they departed now from Egypt, to the time when they were in the land which they were promised and appointed King Saul, who was the first king, it was also another period of 400 years. This time, they were a theocracy, a nation under God. From Egypt up to the time they cried for a king, Saul. But also, from Saul, Up to the exile. Now, you know, after so many kings ruled, sometimes the kings were nice. It is said that under King David, Israel reached the highest peak in spiritual terms. Whereas under his son Solomon, Israel reached the highest peak in glory or in material terms, so to speak. But after Solomon, things started going away, and the kingdom was even divided into two. Not only that, they were attacked by other nations, and they were even taken into exile, both the northern and the southern kingdom. So some were taken to Babylon, attacked by the Babylonians. Actually, Ezekiel right now is in that setting as an exile or a refugee, if you like, in Babylon, and is being sent to minister his, to his fellow Hebrews who are also in exile. Hope that helps where we are here. I used to get very jealous and ask God, why was God so partisan? Not partisan like, like political partisan, but why was he so discriminatory? Why did he show so much love and chosen only one nation of Israel and ignored the rest of us here in Zambia? Well, there was no Zambia then. But I was comforted to learn that actually it was out of love for the whole world that he showed love for Israel so that through Israel a savior may be born who will be the savior of the whole world. When I heard that, I was comforted. I said, thank you, Lord. To you be all the glory. And so the New Testament says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. We are now all the same. We have access to Jesus Christ as our savior. We all are sinners needing to repent and receive forgiveness from God. So this is what God was doing. I told you that he has no plan B. This was the plan one through the history of the Israelites. That's where it is leading until Jesus Christ comes. By the way, by between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are told it's also 400 years. Then Jesus Christ arose on the scene. He was to be the answer to all the problems of sin. Because the history of Israel is full of ups and downs. You find now they're in sweet fellowship with their God, they're worshiping God, their sacrifices in the temple, and all the things, all is going well. Then suddenly they take the wellness for granted and start worshiping maybe idols or doing things against 
what God told them. And then God, in his discipline, allows them to be attacked by other nations who don't know God. And he conquers them. And they go into suffering. Then they cry again to God. Then they repent. Then God forgives them again. Then they are back to square one. I don't know whether it's square one. That is the history. I'm sure that is pretty much like our own lives. Ups and downs. Sometimes things are very good, but when they are very good, it's like maybe we forget that it's God who brought me here and start thinking you've become a God of your own life. In Nyanja, we say, by the way, I'm going from Fort Johnson, Fort Chipata, Fort Johnson. So we say at Paliseka Seka, Palirirarira. Meaning where there's a lot of rejoicing, celebrations, children are playing. Just know that very soon one child will come running crying. And I suspect that why that happens because when people are in jovial, celebratory mood, it's like maybe you are a bit drunk with joy. And when you are in that state, your judgment is compromised. So you find they were playing nicely, but suddenly they start, Kambama. And the other one also returns, Kambama. It's just play games. But the Mbama becomes heavier. The other one, boom, down. Goes home running and crying. Paliseka seka, just know that crying will begin soon. It's the same with our lives. When things are going very well, we are singing very well in the church. Just be watchful. We may be compromised in our judgment and forget the God who made us feel good when things are going well. So it's important to always remember God. And that this is about God. His glory. Are we together? I think, since my time is running out, let me go to the New Testament. John chapter 20, verse 30. Although the main one will be Matthew 28, 16 to 20. We are talking about evangelism here, outreach or whatever you call it. Or the Great Commission. Okay, if we are in John twenty thirty, towards the end of the book of John, it says, the state of John chapter 20, the gospel that is, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So there are many miracles which Jesus performed. But it's saying that these few which were written, it is so that when we read them, 
we may believe in Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is that God has a message for us in the Bible, in the word of God. But the bottom line is that to provoke belief, faith in you, to believe that this Jesus is actually our Savior, is our last hope, was sent to us so that we can be saved, we can become the children of God, that we may have life, eternal life. There's only one way. That's Jesus Christ. Now, Matthew 28, 16. Getting closer now to what Ezekiel was like. For the Christians, we're just encouraging one another that let's not stop sharing this good news which has happened to us. Because we are living it, so we should share it. Freely we have received, freely give. God charges us that you be held accountable for the people who are not getting his word, his good news, and they perish. It is serious, brethren. Verse 16 of Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. There you go, worshipping him. He was God. Emmanuel, God with us. But some doubted. Verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority or all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That we call the Great Commission, meaning as believers we are commissioned to preach the gospel so that people can become disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, just like we read in Ezekiel, it's important that the one who commissions us is God. That means it's very serious. It's very Serious. <laughs> it's a very serious, brethren. It's a very serious commission. It's a very serious assignment. It's a very serious message we are carrying. Now, I do know that sometimes people would like to differentiate between evangelism and discipleship. It's good to differentiate. Evangelism is being a witness to the lost so that they may know Jesus Christ and be saved. But discipleship carries it from there now to say not just coming to the Lord, but you need to be taught in all these things so that you are a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ with knowledge, understanding. But sometimes we start quarreling the evangelists and the disciples 
or the teachers as to which one is more important. Others will say, no, 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 what is more important is discipleship, not evangelism. Because if people are just got saved, you just want the numbers. 70 people were saved. Oh, 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. Of course, it is there also in the Bible. But I would like to believe that, let's treat it that different believers are gifted differently. So let those who are evangelists do their evangelism with encouragement, with prayer, with support financially, so that they reach the word of God to the lost. Because that is a must. But also, let those who are gifted and uh, have been sent into discipleship teach these new believers to grow. It will all be done to the glory of God. I belong to, not I belong, I'm a board member of a missions organization called OM, uh, headquarters in Kabwe. That's Operation Mobilization. They are a missions organization, they train missionaries. Sometimes also, mission organizations like to differentiate between evangelism and missions. And they say it's very important to differentiate evangelism and missions because if we label, we define everything as being evangelism, we are likely to very easily going to lose missions. So evangelism is sharing the good news with everyone, with anyone. Missions is actually crossing a culture, just like we read in Ezekiel. So you are being sent, not to a fellow Bemba, or a fellow Zambian, or a fellow, or a college mate, people who have got similar background, similar language, similar diet. This time you are crossing the culture. You are being sent to a different people. So it says, go ye making disciples, all nations, all people groups, they are different. So that is missions when you cross. Most likely you are looking for a group of people, a community or a country, or even a religion that do not know Christ, but also they have no access to the good news about Christ. So you have people maybe who target to be witnesses to the Muslims in Zambia or maybe the Somalians, or maybe the Chinese. That way you have crossed the culture and the nation and you are a missions person. Still more, I would like to combine all of these and say it is still at the end of the day evangelism to the Chinese or to the Japanese. When you have crossed, you still need to share the gospel. So, Let's stop fights, let's stop politics, let's hold on the plow and do the work of God which he has sent us to. Are we together there? It's very important. Because otherwise we'll just be caught up in politics and uh, just arguments. Let me wind up now. So, in reaching to the lost, all of us, when we received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, from that day, 
we qualified to share with someone the good news of what happened to yourself. You may not there and then already know what to teach, what to explain about Jesus being God or what happened on the cross and so on. But at least you know that I was a sinner, but I believed in Jesus Christ, confessed my sin, and now I'm a believer. Just like the blind man who had been healed. Who healed you? What happened? Are you sure that man? Oh, I don't know anything. But all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. That's what's important. That you can share what has happened to you. So no one has got an excuse. Even a new believer has a responsibility to tell friends what has happened to him. Whether it's classmates, workmates, family members, or whoever God gives you the opportunity. But then, surely there are people who are gifted, whose gifting is evangelism. They are evangelists. So we should try as an assembly also to identify who looks like is gifted in, this, uh, in that area because they need encouragement, they need the prayers, and they need the financial support. Otherwise, if that is not coming from their church, from their leadership, they may think maybe it's a waste of time. Or maybe evangelism was for those old days. Not Shinonshiku. Shinonshiku ni WhatsApp and Facebook. And in these days, you must be careful. It's called the hate speech now. If you try to push your gospel in somebody's throat, under somebody's throat. So be careful. Don't go around telling people I'm born again, are you? Of course, sometimes we are very unwise in how we present the gospel. And God will still hold us accountable that you have not taken the warning. Because the way you did it, it is actually hardening people's hearts. Hmm? You go around, you, you are a sinner, you are going to hell, my friend. They may answer you and say, okay, you go to heaven, me, I like hell. So what have you achieved? The gospel is not the bad news in front. It's the good news. And even in the commission, it says, go therefore and make disciples. So it is the Lord Jesus Christ, it's God who is sending us. And before that, he even says, all power, all authority is given to me. Now, Jesus Christ was already born with all the powers from heaven. He was God with us, even at birth. He was named Jesus, Savior, Messiah. But why did he need more powers from heaven and on earth? And declare that all the powers, not just here on earth, has all been invested in this person here. Only to say, go therefore. Brethren, evangelism is a very serious business to reach the world for Christ. It needed Christ to assure us that all the powers from heaven and on earth have merged into him so that as I go with you, you speak to people. It is the power of God which will convert men's hearts to God. So it's not us, the evangelists, 
who will make Christians. So we don't need to go and make sure that this one receives the Lord. If it means receive the Lord, you sinner. We are not looking for numbers. They are not yours. The glory is not yours. You have no ability of converting anyone's soul to Jesus Christ. Not even a good person who always does good things. You can't convert him to the, to the Lord. It is the power of God that changes the hearts of men. That brings up conversion. Ours is only to be used to take the message, the good news of God. Then the work will be his, what to do in that life. So, what you are doing is giving the offer of God to him or her. You have put a responsibility on their head to say, now you have head for yourself. Are you going to choose the offer of God or are you going to reject it? So God will work using that word they've received. That's why it says, this gospel shall be preached to all corners of the world. Then the end shall come. Sometimes, especially when I was a young Christian, I used to say, ah, I used to preach a lot about the eschatology, the end times, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to enjoy it. In fact, sometimes I suspect that that's how I got the love of my wife, because I used to preach to nurses, Christian fellowship, to what? About the coming of Christ. So she was impressed, and here I am, my husband. <laughs> But sometimes when I read that scripture, I used to say, what is delaying on Jesus coming? It's because this gospel has not yet reached all the corners. He's a gracious God. He wants everybody to hear it. Don't worry about the results. They are not yours. It's God. Let's share the gospel. Let's share the good news from our own testimonies, from our own word, from the word of God. We've been given the mandate and the assignment to do so. And we shall be held responsible and accountable if we don't do that. Give glory to God. I have bypassed my time. If you have not followed anything yet, just remember this. Jesus came to die for our sinners. But the end goal was to bring glory to God. And even us are being sent as believers to share that good news so that others also can receive the Christ as their Savior. Because there is no other plan B. Christ must save only him Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. If you are sitting here and you are one of those few ones, and I'm saying those few ones because I know this church, a lot of them, they already know this Lord Jesus Christ. They just needed to be encouraged to share with others who have not yet heard. And they are everywhere. If you are a student, they are in your class, they are in your college, they are in your school, they are in your university. If you work in the mines, they are there, awakenings. 
If you are a marketeer, they are there in the markets. If you are a street vendor, they are there. You are a taxi driver, they are there. You are a carder, they are there. A party carder, I mean. They are there. So God has put there for a purpose. Share this good news. Not carelessly, with all seriousness, because it's a serious message. But then, never mind the results. It's God's doing. He knows what to do. My wife came to know the Lord when she was just 12 years old. She's 61 this year. She has never looked back. So, anyone can witness to anyone and God can do that miracle. Don't say that, ah, me, the group, I mean, they are too young. No. If they can hear you, God can work on that word and bring salvation. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness and mercy. And we pray that indeed this great commission you've given us may be good news, may be a delight, because in lies the hope of all mankind, that Jesus came to save the lost. And we are the bearers of that message. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of using us to carry such an important message. And yet sometimes we shudder, we shiver, we tremble at the responsibility. Lord, you have said all power from heaven, from earth is given to you. And you shall be with us always. And so we know we are working under your supervision. You are with us. And it is your power that shall wake in people's lives. So we give you all the glory and all the honor in what you are doing because of the grace of God. We pray for any who does not know the Savior of the world, that they have heard this word, and that they shall not postpone this decision, that this day they can say, Lord, I confess and repent my sins. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Take over my life right now. In Jesus' name. But also for those of us who are believers that we've been energized that that decision we made for Christ was not wrong, was not an accident, and that we were in God's kingdom from that day on. And if we've been weak, let us be strong. If we had strayed away, let's come back to the path and that we may continue. For the day draws nigh. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And every saint say, Amen. 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 I told you. God sends me to my own people. They don't listen. But those ones, we are crossing the culture. That's another generation. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hand over to, I don't know whether it's Eodeo. Thank you very much. Come to our hearing. Salvation belongs to